Welcome to Go Meet, a wrestling podcast. This is actually a sports entertainment podcast. This is SummerSlam special edition. This is KP flying solo here. And very up and down SummerSlam review we're going to have here. Um, starts out with Biggie and Corbin in somewhat of a storytelling match where Biggie goes over. That's the pre match. Pre-show match, and we needed Big E to go over. It was entertaining, but not a whole lot to it. We're not going to get into that too much. The first part of this pay-per-view was not great. There were moments. There was a huge moment. Um, There was a huge moment to end this. But around some of these moments were head-scratchers. And everybody's going to talk about that. So I'll have to talk about it, too, a little bit. Along with reviewing the show i'm going to attempt to maybe predict a little bit of where we might be going through this also notable is they decided to do a show in a stadium that had not been used much supposedly the credit card systems were down the drink machines were down people couldn't buy food they couldn't buy drinks the lights were out in the bathrooms uh they were unable to run pyro WWE brings so much like wattage to a building. I don't know how that stuff works, but that ain't good. When you got 50,000 people paying the enormous amount of money that some of these closer tickets are, which, and even any, any way you want to put it, it's, it's not WWE's fault. It's the stadium's fault, but it's a rough way to go. And it's really kudos to the crowd for watching some moments that were a little long. A couple of the matches that wound up being fantastic started slow, and yet they stayed with it. And at the end, there was a huge payoff, and even more so after the show went off the air, and hopefully we'll get to all of that. Now, we start off the actual show with RK Bro versus Almost and AJ. I thought this was fine. We have... It's a little hard to tell a story. Almost was wrestling much more big man-ish, in this one, then he, I mean, he, he has to wrestle big man. She's seven, whatever, and 300, whatever pounds. But we did wind up getting um, AJ isolated, which is the way you're going to beat this tag team. It looks as if, which is kind of weird with AJ being like one of the top, you know, give me a list. I'll put him in that group of wrestlers in the world and all time. Um, but Randy winds up hitting an RKO out of nowhere to get the win. They are champs together. They seem happy. Only issue would be they are baby faces, and Raw has not really established any competition for them as of yet. With Mansoor and Ali being baby faces and just thrown together, and Mace and T Bar kind of tied up with them, you have your new day, but their faces, of course, I don't, I don't really know what they're doing with New Day right now. I would assume. You could put them in that picture, but I would guess that this program continues for a little bit, that AJ doesn't take this line down until they can build somebody up to be involved in this. Then we get Eva Marie with Dewdrop versus Alexa. Um, boy, this was a little disjointed. Eva has, is, is, challenge, is, a, is a challenged performer currently. She hasn't worked a lot since she came back. We know she wasn't incredible at all of this before the story to be told here is that Dewdrop is looking to be free as Alexa winds up pulling this match out. We have Dewdrop 
refusing to help and then seeming incredibly pleased with the loss of Eva. And then she begins to mock Eva, including grabbing the mic and announcing the winner is the loser is Eva Marie, mocking the winner is Eva Marie spots from different raw segments. What's important here is you have a really great young female wrestler in Piper Niven and her being able to get free of this program and maybe doing a little something back and forth with Eve, but soon, sooner than later, getting to be involved in a division that, as we will see later, will need challengers for the queen. Damian Priest versus Sheamus. This was, I think it could have been a little bit better. I enjoyed the match, but... It was a storytelling match in that Priest had to dig deep to pull it out. The story was Sheamus beating him up pretty good early. And then through it, uh, once Priest got a little bit going there, he did land on his hip pretty badly. And I think there was a, a legitimate amount of time during the match where they were making sure he was okay as he was kind of holding it all the time. And then, he, then of course, being the pro- a professional, he, he begins to play off of that. We get... The finish being kind of, they protected Sheamus a little bit here, where he, where they grabbed, Priest is in a hold and he grabs Sheamus's mask and pulls it off. And that gives him the opportunity to go to the head a couple of times. Obviously, Sheamus wearing the mask due to the broken nose. Um, this causes a chain of events where Priest winds up hitting a reckoning and winning. I think it's the right call. I'm not sure if you had to protect somebody that's as as over as a big-time heel tough guy as Sheamus by pulling the mask off his face. Gives him something to complain about, though. Gives you a shot at a rematch, I guess. You know, Raw likes to do that. Um, but these guys can do better. And this was good. It just could have been great. And that's, I think that uh, a lot of this is, is where I'm at. A lot of it was good, could have been great, that kind of thing. Usos versus Mysterios coming up. And this was pretty doggone good. You have one of the greatest tag teams in history. You have one of the greatest fight from down under wrestlers, uh, the greatest, one of the greatest underdog wrestlers in, in history. In Rey Mysterio in a match together, and Dom is kind of he's in there and he's in a bad spot. I mean, it's it's a great spot because he's learning from the best, but he's also in a in a tough spot. Um, I think he did admirably. Uh, it was well done. You had the great finish where you know Dom gets taken away from everything, and well, great may be an overstatement. You wind up with Ray getting isolated, eating. Three super kicks. One super kick, which sets up a stereo super kick, which sets up the Jay Uso flying Usos. The real question here is where do we go with the SmackDown tag division? And do we pull the trigger on Ray and Dom breaking up? And, and, and how do we do that? Do we have a son versus father match somewhere along the line? I, I, the way. Ray is constantly telling him, "Hey, you got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. Uh, you, you know, don't yeah. don't count your chickens before your hats type stuff. You know, we, we don't get ahead of ourselves. All that stuff. It, it is interesting, and I thought for a while there, 
that maybe when it was Seth and Dom and Ray, you might get something like that. And it, it didn't materialize, and you got that co you got the tag team champions, father and son, first time ever. You can go with some form of a, you know, these things don't happen a lot where you have two father and son wrestle each other. It is a neat story to tell if Dom wants to be free of guidance because he's he's young and hot headed and and the father tries to teach him in some kind. There, it's a place we haven't been much. If anybody can pull off the father that's teaching you your lessons in the ring and not being overly mean about it, it is probably Ray. Um, and Dom could probably use the work with someone like, I mean, I'm sure he works with Ray backstage, but where we go with the tag belts. Now that's interesting because I, I don't, the street profits and the Usos just smells like money. But the Street Profits haven't been going over. They've been entangled with the Gable-Otis angle. But it feels like that is breaking up. Like, I could totally see Gable and Otis challenging for a championship. But that's not really where it feels like that story is going. That story seems to be going, Otis is breaking into a single star and and, uh, Gable is guiding him. I, I can't believe I continue to call... Or think angle when I think Gable, but it just their amateur backgrounds are so strong that maybe that's what it is. But so the street profits somehow getting free of that, maybe pinning Gable, and then getting an opportunity to get into something with the heels, the Usos, because that is something we can all sink our sink our teeth into, right? The Usos, one of the great tag teams of all time. The prophets were looking to be on that level not that long ago. Maybe that's where we go here, and I, I would love it if that's where we go because I, I just love watching the Usos wrestle, and I absolutely love watching Ford and Dawkins wrestle. So hopefully that's where we go there. Oh boy, now's the moment that people will be talking about from this pay per view, and it will not be good. Everybody got what they wanted. And then the rug got pulled out from under him. Here's the issue. Bianca comes out. Sasha can't wrestle. Uh, she might not have met the, the protocols for COVID, something. But you know, dirt sheets being what they may, those are rumors. So Bianca comes out. We're supposed to get Sasha. It's not going to happen. Mella comes out. And we think we're going to get that. And boom, the man's music hits. Becky comes down. And she dismantles Mella and set, takes the mic and says, how about me and you do this? And Bianca accepts. The crowd is out of its mind. What Becky said was, let's blow the roof off this place. And now remember... This is the interesting part, and you and everybody hated what happened next because we get a 25-second match. We have one of the most popular female wrestlers in history. We have probably the most popular, or at least the biggest up-and-coming star in the female division in Bianca. And they have been behind Bianca and pushing her so hard. She's getting the commercials. She's getting the spots on TV. Um whenever they get a big event she's she's there she's getting it she's been in the main event of wrestlemania night one she's all of this stuff right 
and then here we go. Becky acts like she wants a handshake, hits her, sucker sucker punches her, uh, man slam, one, two, three. I don't know if I've even ever seen Becky win a match with a man slam. It stunning. It, weird. I'm gonna tell you where I think they're trying to go, and I'm not I'm gonna want to tell you readily. I, I don't necessarily agree with what they did, but my guess is here's what the story they're going to try to tell. The hero wasn't ready. She was a little overwhelmed by the moment due to the fact that all of this happens at one time and Becky has the rep that she has. Becky's always been kind of a straight up fighter, so she wouldn't have looked for the sucker punch coming. She gets caught. You know, she's not even really, anything's really happened yet, and she gets caught. One, two, three. I mean, she probably should have done a Hogan kick out and kicked out, you know, right on three and a quarter or right. Really, the best move, if you're going to do something stupid like this, is have, (laughs) stupid like this, is have her kick out on three and let there be a question as to whether or not she really kicked out. Like, say, oh, well, and you can run the film later and say, well, you know, the ref's decision's final, but she actually did kick out on, on two and a half or whatever, right? Maybe that would have been a better route to go. But you have Becky. I'm guessing she's going to wind up being the heel here for multiple reasons. One, the way she dismantled Mella. Two, the sucker punch on Bianca. Three, it just makes sense when you have the uber baby face everybody agrees on. And, you know, her her old man, her old man's kind of the heel of heels right now. So it would kind of make sense in a weird way to do that too. You could also go the route of Bianca and Montez versus Seth and Becky down the road. If you wanted, that's not what I hope we're going. This is where I hope we're going. And this happens to me all the time. I, I tell you guys or Justin, when he's doing these shows with me where I hope we're going and then we wind up somewhere else. And I feel like I've defended the E in their booking for no reason, but I'm not really defending them. Cause I'm just telling you where I hope they go and not where they, they just went somewhere else. My guess is you have a an Extreme Rules pay-per-view coming up soon. You have Bianca versus Becky in, in that. And you have Bianca go over. And then you have a third match. And I, I we were talking about earlier today how you don't get a lot of program on, a, on one of the other shows we did today. You don't get a lot of programs where the title gets passed back and forth real quick. You don't get a whole lot of the champ for whatever, the Rocky Three story, right? The champ, overconfident accepts a fight maybe they shouldn't have without proper training, loses real quick, and then she wins this one, and then they wind up having a tiebreaker, and she holds on to that one. And that's where I, I would that's where I would go if I had somebody that was as money as Bianca. I don't think Becky needs... I just don't think Becky needs the belt to be important. Becky can... You can tell Becky, see that girl over there? She's nobody. Go make her somebody. And she can talk people into the building and make it happen. So I don't... I hope they salvage this somehow. And I don't know that they can with people, but I hope they can. I hope they do at least, when this program is over, have Bianca the champion still. Because, boy, are people mad. And I I get it. I get it. Because I love Bianca, too. But also, I love Becky. So there is that. It just... 
it didn't make sense to have her go over it that easily. Drew versus gender. I'm not even really going to go into this. If you want to listen to our other podcast on how I feel about this whole program, you got a grown man swinging a sword around. I mean, he's not going to use a sword, guys. Nobody got beheaded. Gender loses a clean match. You could have not had this. Could have been on Raw easily. This could have been on Raw. There's, there was no reason to put this in a pay per view other than the fact that Drew McIntyre is obviously a big star. But is he a bigger star than Kevin Owens? Kevin Owens went on a pay per view, right? Um, th- this was not a nothing burger. It was fine. And then you know the two guys come out to drag. Shanky and Veer come out to drag Gender away. Gender now has no heat as a heel and <laughs> whatever. Anyway, Nikki, Rhea, Charlotte, fantastic. This is a fantastic match, and boy, they booked it for Charlotte to look amazing, in which she did. She had uh, they she had a double DDT after they had her in an elevated suplex position. She had the moonsault that was actually a twisting moonsault that was incredible onto the two of them. Nikki did a, a wonderful job in this match. Uh, Rio was fantastic. The the head scratcher for me though again, and I don't like to complain about booking results. I don't like to do that, but. I wouldn't have had Charlotte win here. Charlotte's a fantastic wrestler, guys. And there's no question in my mind that you could put the belts on her all the time. And they do. But at some point, you got to have scenarios where the other, you gave your crowd a feel good moment after, you know, when, when Nikki A.S.H. goes over. The whole reason you do a triple threat right here is so that the two favorites don't have to win and Nikki can kind of pull it out somehow. And then if you want to drop it later, that's fine. It's not what they did here. They went a different direction. The match was fantastic. My guess is that Nia Jax is next for Charlotte because I would think with them being tag partners and her having a shot at the pin on Monday night and Charlotte stealing the pin from her, that turns into Naya in a program here and then maybe Shayna next and then probably a draft. They need to move these things around a little bit. I don't know where Rhea goes from here. To Just to be totally honest, I, I don't know where Rhea goes because she's lost to Charlotte a couple times now. <sighs> That's tough. And I don't think they want to pull the shine off of her, although it has kind of been off of her. And I really don't know where Nikki goes from here. The only thing I can think of with Nikki is she is in her own version of a superhero verse. And so sliding her into the Alexa verse kind of makes the most sense. And if those two were to be a tag team in some way, that could get awkward and weird and maybe fun. So we'll see. That's the only place I can see her going right now, though. But that totally takes away from what we've established, which is that she's going to try really hard. But if she winds up in the Alexaverse, it's going to get mystical and weird and maybe throw fire. And then there'll be a doll involved. So we'll see. But this match is the line in the sand. Drew and Gender happen. And then Nikki Rhea Charlotte happen. The line between them is the line between a so-so pay-per-view and a very good pay-per-view. Going on next is Edge with Seth Rollins. This was a master class. We have 
Seth looking like Michael Jackson or Adam Ant or the Black Parade. And we have Edge with the brood entrance turning into You Think You Know Me. And crowd is over the moon. They start out slow. They start out really slow. But that's the point, I think. And as Edge is doing well with Seth, eventually Seth gets him into the deep waters. He attacks the neck. He attacks the neck. He attacks the neck. They play all the greatest hits. They don't just play their greatest hits. Edge hits the glam slam on Seth. Edge goes for a kill switch on Seth. He doesn't quite get it, but he goes for it. We have Edge hit the spear through the middle rope, which was the famous thing when he puts Mick, Mick Foley through the flaming table. We um, He slams Seth's head on the LED board. And then we get Seth with the Falcon Arrow. We get Seth with the uh, the corkscrew miss, and that turns into Edge with the spear. This was as this was by far the best. No, I won't say by far. I think it was the best wrestled match of the card. I think it was close to the best storytelling. The spear doesn't finish it as we want. I'm sorry I said that. As we wind up with Edge putting a series of submission holds on Seth that he is able to kind of sort of get out of. Until the point in which Edge goes to the darker place, which was the point of the entire match, begins to ram Seth's head off the mat, which allows him to be weakened, and we get the crossface in and the win. Well done. I don't think these guys are done with each other. Seth never accepts a loss. He's going to attack Edge on Friday night, probably, more than likely, and they will wind up doing something at Extreme Rules against each other. And that's just the way Seth works. You know, you don't get to fight him once. If you beat him, you beat him three or four times. That's just how it goes with him. Now, um, you could almost call that a Seth verse. Oh, boy. What was up next? Goldberg. Goldberg. Or as I like to say, dum, dum, dum. (laughs) Okay, man. Goldberg comes out, and this is one of the longer matches for Goldberg. It might have gone five minutes. Uh, it was. I wanted a definitive ending here, and this is what it feels like as an observer of pro wrestling when you watch this match. Goldberg does well early. Lashley absorbs it. Lashley murks him, and then you have Goldberg flip the script. MVP hits Goldberg in the hamstring with a cane which turns into Lashley getting the chop block and that turns into a series of moves where Lashley attacks the leg Goldberg can't stand they call the match really weird ending if we're going to do that why didn't Lashley put him in some form I mean Lashley's a a former championship wrestler he could have come up with a leg hold here and forced Bill to And you know why they didn't do it? Because, by God, Bill ain't about to tap out, no matter how many times they ask him to. So what do we get? This whole thing felt like Bill Goldberg has been asked to wrestle in Saudi Arabia, and that's where we're going. And so, Bill, they don't want to take the belt off Lashley because they don't want the old guy with the belt, but by the same token, they have to have Goldberg in Saudi probably. This is my guess. That's where we're going. So Goldberg can't stand. They call the match. MVP throws the chair in there, really for no reason. 
Goldberg is getting beaten with a chair. Goldberg's son jumps on Sunberg, if you want to call him that. Uh, one of the guys I follow on Twitter calls him that. Jumps on the back. He winds up in a hurt lock. MVP has to grab the mic and say, hey, you know, there's no way Lashley could have known who that was on his back. That kind of thing. And Goldberg is screaming that he's going to kill him and go Old Testament as he's walking away. Blah. That's what I say about that. Blah. Anyway, moving on. Cena versus Roman. This is a master class in storytelling. The bulk of it, Cena has already told you the story of the match before it even starts. He will absorb punishment. He is the most durable in-ring performer of his time. He takes the beatings during a match, I'll say. He takes the beatings. He answers the bell. He never taps out. And and he, generally speaking, gets you into deep waters if you're very, very good and beats you because he's strong and he will not quit. He never gives up. He is selling a T-shirt that says the 16-time guy with the Mario Brothers thing on it. Odd, too, because CM Punk was selling a Mario Brothers-themed shirt last night. The 16-time T-shirt being sold at an event where... Cena could win his 17th was kind of a little nod to you think he's probably not going to win. Thought they should have waited on dropping that shirt a little till a little later. Anyway, match fantastic because he's told you I'm going to I'm going to resort punishment. I'm going to pin him every time he gets a chance. He goes for the roll up, especially early in the match when he, he really nobody was beat up yet and even when he starts to get beat up he still goes for roll up after roll up after another roll up one time he gets in a guillotine and he manages to flip over and and hold Roman down for the two count every time he does that though Roman flips the script and Roman chews the crowd out for caring about this guy and he lets the crowd know he has gotten to be a master at yelling loud enough even in an arena with people that the camera can hear him and he plays it to the hilt. He can walk into an arena where people are 50-50 for him or 75-25 for him. And by the time you get midway through the match, only the people who like heels are rooting for him. Everybody else is rooting for the other guy because he just belittles the crowd. That is what is happening here. And as we get in, as they as they get in, Roman kicks out a one. AA. Then he kicks out of another AA. He he kicks out of a super AA, which shows his durability. He is the modern day, or actually before he turned, he was the modern day Cena, right? That's the way they booked him before he turned heel, and he showcased that toughness here. He winds up in a couple of FUs, and he pulls them out. And then we get the back and forth uh, he they play a couple of the greatest hits as well. The Rome, Roman hits the 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 move where John tried to do the famouser from the top rope, and Batista famously famously kind of broke his neck on it. Uh, obviously not on purpose, but after that move was over, John's neck was broken. They do that move here. Uh, Roman hits it. It's safe. It works out. But as Roman goes into this thing, we get. The the long match breaks down to where it's just these two big, strong guys wore out, punching each other. 
And instead of standing there and continuing to trade blows, Roman bounces off the rope, boom, Superman punch. Bounces off the rope, boom, Superman punch. Runs through him with a spear, one, two, three. Holy cow. Right before he spears him, he tells us that he's WWE. It is true, he's WWE. And then, when you think they're going to run to credits, Lesnar's music hits. He comes down, and absolutely, yes, we have seen Roman versus Brock several times. It's always a bruiser. This time, Heyman is on the other side. This time, Roman is willing to do anything and everything to win a match. And I ain't seen Brock look this good. He always looks good, but Lord have mercy. He came down looking like he stepped off a Viking boat. Just a monster. We're going to get these guys against each other. This is obviously where the heavyweight title is going to be dealt with. I would guess it will be in a... It could wind up being in Saudi. Kind of makes sense now that I think about it. There's also an Extreme Rules coming up. We might get it in both. Um, I, Like I said, I can't give this pay-per-view a great review. It just wasn't great. Even the good stuff had, had little weird things in it. And then there was too much just wonky decisions. But I had a good time watching it. I enjoyed the crowd. I enjoyed the the crowd. I enjoyed the fact that they hung in there with it. The, the the Becky being back is interesting. Obviously, she's you know one of the biggest stars in the business. Lesnar, ditto, getting them both in one night, amazing. Uh, Seth and Edge was incredible. Roman and Cena was incredible. The only real misstep the SmackDowns roster had tonight was the Becky thing, and it's it was all right there for them. You know, they had it all right there. You got Becky Lynch looking at Bianca Belair. I don't even care what the result is. Give them eight minutes. Let let them let them do something. I get it. I, I understand. You're probably going to wind up putting the belt right back on her. You're probably going to wind up having her go over twice. But man, it leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth tonight. Man. Anyway, so for me, KP. Go Home Heat Production, copyright 2021. Check out my friends. That's again, Project V-G-I-N-N, project.com. Go home.